This podcast is sponsored in part by Lombard Risk. There's nothing simple about the increasing complexity of collateral margining. The continuing drive to create a riskless environment has instead brought about more regulation, increased volumes and costs. It's not the risk-free heaven the regulators had envisioned. Join the November 16th DerivSource webinar and get a glimpse of the future, the new industry ecosystem that streamlines front-to-back processes from trading through collateral management to settlement. Lombard Risk and key infrastructure providers will explore. For more information, please go to DerivSource.com. Hello and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schiefer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. Market participants are inundated with regulatory requirements and deadlines to work towards. However, one such deadline coming up is the EMIR margin requirement for physically settled FX forwards, which comes into force January 3rd, 2018. In this podcast, we speak to Craig Bisson, partner at Simmons & Simmons, about this requirement, what it covers, who must comply, and the practical issues that firms face. Welcome to the podcast, Craig. The EMIR variation margin requirements for physically settled FX forwards comes into force in a matter of months. Craig, can you briefly explain this requirement and the transactions involved? Yes, absolutely. We, of course, had the big bang of variation margin on the 1st of March this year, both in Europe and in a number of other jurisdictions, including the US. As you know, firms struggle to put their documentation in place by that deadline. And so global regulators generally issued statements of forbearance basically to ensure that the industry didn't grind to a halt. Now, most classes of OTC derivatives were covered by the 1st of March deadline, but there was a phase-in under EMIR on the VM side for physically settled FX forwards to the 3rd of January 2018. And that was down to a lack of a Europe-wide definition of spot FX. It's a bit of an idiosyncrasy of EMIR that physically settled FX forwards are subject to VM, In other jurisdictions, including the US, physically settled FX trades are outside of UMR entirely. That isn't such a big issue for managers who included FX in their one March upgrades. But for those that relied on the phase-in and only use FX, there's quite a lot of work to do. As you know, on the buy side, many managers have historically traded FX on an undocumented, potentially uncollateralized basis. And for those firms, getting things in place contractually laying the pipes operationally between now and the 3rd of January is going to be a major undertaking, especially since it coincides with MIFID 2. So in summary, I think firms will need a a UMR-compliant VMCSA with each relevant broker, new or updated derivatives risk management policies, and ongoing legal reviews on netting and collateral enforceability. So really quite a lot to do. Are there any practical issues firms need to be considering? Well, I think some firms will need to think about where the collateral is coming from. For example, equities funds, which are fully invested in equities, may not have any of the right sort of collateral, or at least not that brokers are willing to take. USITS funds aren't able to use collateral transformation tools like repos to upgrade assets to meet their collateral requirements, which has caused a number of problems for clients. So again, they'll need to think about where the right sort of assets to use as margin will come from. USITs also have an obligation to establish a collateral policy and a haircut policy, and for this to be disclosed in the prospectus. So if they're collateralising for the first time, 
they may need to prepare these disclosures and update those prospectuses. And what about spot FX and NDFs? Do they forward them in this requirement? No, a spot FX won't be subject to the VM requirements. Uh, And from the 3rd of January next year, for the first time, there'll be an EU-wide definition of what constitutes an FX spot. And that definition is available now, so firms can familiarise themselves with that. NDFs, non-deliverable forwards, uh, are treated as contracts for difference under MIFID II and can't be treated as spot contracts, irrespective of their settlement period. But in any event, NDFs have been caught by the VM requirements under EMEA since the 1st of March this year. Now, some market participants still appear to be unaware of this regulatory obligation, or if they're required to comply. Can you explain who the obligation applies to? You're right. I think there has been some uncertainty around this. The obligation applies to financial counterparties, FCs, which includes USITs, AFES with authorised AFM, and most European pension schemes, as well as non-financial counterparties above the clearing threshold, what we call NFC+. It also applies to third country entities who would be an FC or an NFC+, if they were established in the EU, where those third country entities are facing an FC or an NFC+. I think there's also some confusion, though, as to when the obligation bites. And I think that's partly because of the way that the phase-in was drafted in the RTS. And I mentioned it a moment ago, but just to be clear, the VM requirements for physically settled FX forwards apply from the 3rd of January 2018. And what recommendations do you have for the market participants for how they should start preparing if they haven't already done so? I think it's important that firms grasp the nettle on this. It'll take longer than you might expect to negotiate the documentation and to become compliant on the ancillary requirements that I mentioned, derivatives risk management policy, the independent legal review. And I think it's pretty unlikely that there'll be any further forbearance after we've known about this for almost a year. One thing I think it would be helpful to do is to develop a project plan Work out which funds are trading physically settled FX forwards on an uncollateralized basis with which counterparties and what, if any, eligible collateral the fund holds. Also, think about the process for the documents themselves. Will you, for example, use the VM protocol published by ISDA? I think in our experience, that's probably unlikely. And if you're using physical documents, uh, VM CSA uh, or a 95 CSA with upgrade, Will you be using those that the broker provides to you or will you be looking to impose your own documentation? While you're negotiating the contracts, it's important to establish the risk management procedures that I mentioned. And I think also working out how you'll comply with the requirement for an independent legal review on the enforceability of netting and collateral. I think it's worth mentioning here, if I can, that at Simmons, we've developed an online tool, the Netting and Collateral Reviewer, which is designed to allow end users to comply with the review obligation in an efficient and cost-effective way. Do get in touch if that's something that you'd be interested in. Thank you, Craig. We will include a link to the online tool Netting Plus Collateral Reviewer in our podcast show notes page. Beyond these requirements, are there any other trends in the FX derivatives market that you think firms should be aware of, Craig? Yeah, there are a couple of things we've been discussing with clients. Uh, Firstly, the FX Global Code of Conduct, which was published in May this year, uh, which is a voluntary code designed to promote the integrity and functioning of the global FX market. 
And the FCA has indicated that it will use the code to measure compliance with proper standards of market conduct. So it's certainly something to be aware of. I think the other development we're seeing in the FX space is that firms are starting to begin to clear FX. And I think that's partly driven by the margin requirements under the European rules. But I think it's a trend that we'll see continue. Thank you, Craig, for giving us an overview on this requirement and the other trends coming up in the FX market. My pleasure. To learn more about this topic and find the link to the online tool Craig mentioned, please go to the show notes page on DerivSource.com and you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or access it via the free DerivSource app. Thank you for tuning in.